This is Daily Devotions Best Of with Pastor Tim Dodson from JF Believers Church. Subscribe to our podcast by visiting jfbelievers.com. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 16, verse 10 of our text says, He who is faithful in a very little is faithful also in much. He who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. If therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to you your trust the true riches? Truth is that many of us have honestly been unfaithful in the little things, and yet we wonder why God has never trusted us with the great things of his kingdom. Have we handled well the finances he has given us? What about our talents and our gifts? So many of us will never know the grand things of God's kingdom because we never firstly took care of the master's house to deal righteously with the calling of God as stewards of his realm. We never knew the 100 times more of Mark 10, 29, and 30 because we were unwilling to give up the immediate for the eternal. We were unwilling to surrender the small and the temporal for the grand and the eternal. We just couldn't step beyond the perceived safety of our worldly standing. We grabbed the free gift of salvation, but now how many of us are spiritually huddled in a fetal position in the corner? You know, too afraid to move beyond where we are. We need to know that Satan's greatest weapon is fear. Verse 12 says, If you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? As God has placed us, all of us, in that trusted steward position, he calls us to be faithful with not just what he has given us, but actually with the position itself. I think this is where the wider church has so greatly failed because we are, it's seemingly so confused by the prosperity doctrine, this name it and claim it teachings, and then fail to understand that any and every blessing we are given is bestowed upon us merely as stewards. Thus, when we fail to be faithful with what he has given us, we also fail to be faithful in our calling, our position in the grand kingdom of our Redeemer. This fact plays heavily into our lives within this kingdom. The struggles we face and the failures we experience as believers often come not simply because we live in a fallen world and endure the attacks of the enemy. For much of the lack of joy and the stark absence of success in our lives is because we have been unfaithful stewards and we've not used what he gave us for glory and his advancement. We want to be married but we have failed to walk righteously as singles. We want to be in high service before God, but we've not done well serving in the small aspects he has set before us. We want another job, but we've not worked hard and done well in the one that we have. We want more money, but we have failed to be righteous and honest with what he has already given us. And so we struggle and we struggle. And the peace so described in the book of Hebrews is never seen never manifested in our lives. Verse 13 of the book of Luke 16 says, No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to one and despise the other. You aren't able to serve God in manner. 
Now this verse is clear in its stand. There is no middle ground, no partial service to God, and no part-time steward. Yet men have been trying to accomplish such for hundreds of years. The reality is that our lives will take one of two paths. We will live and serve our Savior and Redeemer Jesus Christ, or we will live for ourselves, for the now, this life and this world, and for pleasure and material gain. We may spend a lifetime justifying our actions and attempting to soothe our troubled soul over the matter, but you gotta know, in the end, it's gonna be the same. This verse will still be here echoing the absolute position of the Father. So many of us have become Christians and, and then we spend a lifetime struggling against the loyalty and commitment that God asked for. Verse 14 says, The Pharisees who were lovers of money also heard all these things and they scoffed at him. He said to them, You are those who justify yourselves in the sight of men, but God knows your hearts. For that which is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. You know, believing men have been looking for the loopholes in this doctrine since Christ walked the earth. The Pharisees were but the first. Yet many have followed and, you know, they come in every shape. Even much of the church today has flat out rejected this teaching and actually have embraced just the contrary. The idea that money and possessions are the manifest of God's selection and his divine standing and the reflection of his righteousness. And ironically, it's one of the easiest false doctrines to refute, but often it's the last one to actually be refuted because it is the grand answer to man's flesh. We want this so bad material wealth, and God. It's a worldly dream come true. So, today vast segments of the body of Christ cling to this idea like a rubber raft in the middle of a tumultuous ocean. We, like the Pharisees, will attempt to justify ourselves and we make excuses for our lack of commitment to Christ. We attempt to excuse or postpone our allegiance citing all sorts of insurmountable issues that, you know, prohibit our all-out stewardship for God and His kingdom. But in truth, we do not intend to ever live that way. Yet we continue to come to church every Sunday and listen to it being preached. Philippians 3, verse 18 and 19 says, For many walk, of whom I told you often, and now tell you even weeping, as the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who think about earthly things. And then Matthew 6, 20 and 21 says, But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consume, and where thieves don't break through and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Verse 16 of our chapter says the law and the prophets were until John. From that time, the good news of God's kingdom is preached and everyone is forcing his way into it. The period of the Old Testament was now coming to a close. And it would do so officially with the coming of the cross. 
When John the Baptist showed up on the scene and then Jesus followed soon thereafter, the kingdom itself began to be proclaimed. Pharisees and the religiously self-righteous, if you will, they not only rejected this kingdom, but they worked strenuously to keep everyone else out too. But the point Jesus was making here was, you know, if this path is so wrong, well, how do you explain the multitudes literally climbing over the defensive line in an unstoppable embrace of Christ and his redemption of faith? Jesus was the first to basically say, look, I'll let the fruit of my ministry speak for itself. Verse 17, he says, but it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one tiny stroke of a pen in the law to fail. Jesus, he knew what these hyper-religious folks were thinking, what they were saying behind his back. He was being accused of usurping the law of Moses, of trumping the very foundation of their lives. But Jesus herein now moves to clarify. He, he states emphatically that not one tittle, quote-unquote, as the old King James says, one tittle of the law will fail or be changed. Now, a tittle is the accent points in Hebrew writing. So we're talking about the smallest part of the law that there is. So Jesus is stating, as he does elsewhere, that the law does not cease with his coming, but rather he is and he brings the fulfillment of the law. It is perfect and it is enduring as Christ is himself. That was our daily devotions by Pastor Tim Dodson. For more information about Tim Dodson and Believers Church, visit jfbelievers.com.